Yay! How we doing, DB? It's a beautiful day. I'm going to put my nice little red cardigan on. For those of you who are new to our church, welcome. If you're here for the first time, we want to thank you for being here. We want to honor you and say thank you for taking out time for being here. Those of you who normally come to DV, welcome back. We're so honored that you're here, that you chose to take out time from your Sunday to be with us today. It's awesome. We're glad you're here. Um, for those of you that are listening online or watching this online, our extended family, we love you guys as well, and we want to invite you to come out and be a part of DV in person, because these are some of the best people in Doral, in Miami. If you believe that, would you guys say yes? Yes, we are the, look, it's much better in person. So those of you, those of you that are listening online or watching, come in person, all right? Let's do this, let's do this. So, you know, Mr. Rogers had his little cardigan and these, like, blue shoes, so I brought those here this morning. So we are wrapping up a series, in case you didn't know. We're, like, really leaning heavy on this whole Mr. Rogers motif, if you can't tell. Um, I asked you guys for week one, how many of you guys know even Mr. Rogers and only half of you raised your hand. So I realized we're in Miami, and in Miami and Doral, you know, we have that international, a lot of us, you know, first generation or second generation, we didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers. A lot of the U.S. did. I did. I was born here. I'm a, I'm a, a gringo, riqueño, uh, if you want to go that way. But So I was born here in the States, so I know all about him. But um, I told you guys last week about what, uh, what being a good neighbor looks like. I don't know if you remember, we talked about one of the greatest barriers to being a good neighbor. I don't know if you remember, if not the greatest barrier, right, to being a good neighbor, because I believe God has called us to be good neighbors, and what is a good neighbor? A good neighbor is somebody who represents Jesus to those who are around us, and not just somebody that we have to, not, not just those people that we have to jump in a car and drive downtown to and serve, not just those people we jump on a plane and go serve, you know, in another country. We're talking about those people that are just to the left of us and just to the right of us in our very own neighborhood. If you live in a high-rise in your left or right apartment, if you live in a townhouse or your, your house, you know, wherever you are, who are those people? Because God is calling us to love on those people. So today's week four, if you're just joining us, of who, and we're actually wrapping it up today. We're going to be kicking off a brand new series next Sunday, and I'm really excited. It's uh, these little cards right here. So the cards you have on your chairs are for you to give out as a way, like an icebreaker, if you want, to your neighbor as we're praying through how to reach out, your, reach out to your neighbor. You can give that, won't you be my neighbor card, and you can give that to your neighbor. This is for next week that you can put on your refrigerator. We're going to be passing those out as you walk out here today. And next week's series we're kicking off, I'm really excited about. It's called Live Like you're dying. If you've ever heard that Tim McGraw song, but live like you're dying. We're going to be talking about that. I think it's going to be really good. But today we're going to talk about another barrier to being a good neighbor, another, na another barrier to living out the great commandment. Because if you guys remember, we talked about, that was like week one of our great commandment series was, I, I mean, of the good neighbor series was that, that God has called us to, to do the great commandment. And the great commandment is what? You guys remember? It's Love God and love your neighbor. And so God is calling us to love our neighbors. And so how do we do that? Well, we talked all about that. You have to listen or watch online. But, but today we're going to talk about another barrier, which I think is huge. And we actually, I, I let the cat out of the bag already, right? You guys already know what we're talking about today. We're talking about 
fear. Fear is another great barrier to being a great neighbor. So today, we're going to talk about how to overcome fear, how to overcome our fears of becoming a new neighbor. And so if you're taking notes, you can take notes if you'd like. The first point to my talk today is that, and I just have two thoughts. I just have two thoughts, and then we'll be done today. But the first thought on being a good neighbor is this, and it is that the brokenness of the world causes us to be suspicious. The brokenness of this world causes us to be suspicious. So there's another guy that comes to church here. His name is, we call him Goyo. It's not his real name. That, that's his nickname, Goyo. Like Goya, like, you know, si es Goya, tiene que ser bueno, right? And not Goya, but Goyo. Or Goya, the artist, the painter from Spain. Not him. So, um, so Goyo is uh, a member here at our church. And I, his job, let me tell you about his job, what he does. He goes door to door and knocks on people's doors and sells fire alarms. He sells alarm systems, okay? And he was, we were having a conversation earlier this week about it, and I'm like, man, your job has got to be so tough because I hate going door to door. <laughs> like, like I, I can't believe you go door to door. He's like, yeah, man, that's what I do. I knock, and I'm like, so it's, 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 like, it's like twofold. People are, you're like, if it's not you, it's like uh, your coworkers are afraid to knock on somebody's door, and then the person who's, opening the door might be afraid to open the door to you because they don't know who you are. You look different than they do, right? You might have a different color skin than, than they do, so they're, you know, maybe a little more upper. You don't look like me. I don't know. You're not family. Why are you knocking on my door? Why are you on my property, right? So you have this fear. Why? Because the brokenness of our world has caused us to be suspicious. Just a couple weeks ago, we have one teacher in the back there. We had a scare here in our city, and she was actually there. We had the whole city of Homestead, in case you don't know, the whole city of Homestead down here in South Florida was in lockdown, was on lockdown because there was a fear of an active shooter on the sc in the school. Tatiana was there, and we have another teacher that's in the back, and the kids, she was there too, and it was a tense moment. It was a tense, tragic, it was, it, it ended up being a false alarm, but it was still a very fearful. So what happens? We get on the news, uh, either online or on TV or however, and we hear about all this bad things happening around us, and so we become what, you guys? Fearful. It's natural to become fearful. I get it. I get it. And yet at the same time, God calls us, right? Because what we start to think is, well, it's just better. All we have to do is build a wall. If we just build a wall, then we'll just be in isolation and safe. You know what they say? Good fences make what? Good neighbors. You've heard that before. So we just need to build a fence. And if we build a fence, then we'll be safe in our four and no more. But God doesn't call that to us, does he? He says, no, I didn't call you to isolation. I called you to reach out across the line and build a relationship with someone because why? They need me. And if you are, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this is something that has to mess with you. If you consider yourself a lover of God and a disciple of Jesus, this is something that has to say, I do not feel, I'm not that, I, I'm still learning. I have to tell you, I'm not a pro. I, I stood up here last week and I told you guys about what happened, <laughs> what happened to me when I was, you know, um, a few years ago that I wasn't a good neighbor. I don't know if you guys remember the story I told you last week, but the, the story I told you was that I was, I was looking out my, my front window and I was seeing these branches that hang over my, my assigned car spot. 
And these branches would be so long that whenever I would go into my car and I would close the door to my car, the branches would be in between the door and the car. They would get stuck inside my car. And I'm like, man, and I would talk to the landscape, can you guys please cut these down? Like, this is like, and then when if it rains, you know, it rains all the time, I mean, like, not all the time, but a lot here in Miami. And then the leaves kind of catch the rain. So if I would go to my car and always it happened, it wasn't raining that day, but it was raining earlier or the night before, those drops would fall on my head. I'm not, I don't wear an umbrella when it's not raining, but you know what? These leaves would fall on my, you know, water would, they would catch the water and it would fall on me and inevitably get my clothes wet, get my head wet, and I hate when things touch my head and it's not, <laughs> I don't like it. So, it, you know, all this is like puts me in a bad mood as I'm driving. So, so I'm like, you know, I asked them, they wouldn't do it, I'm going to take matters in my own hands and I got this little mini chainsaw and I started to cut these little branches. I told you guys this story, remember? And I got a little inspired, a little too inspired and I kept on cutting, and I went into my neighbor's side, and I'm cutting and cutting, and then when I stop, and I look back, and I'm like, it's not how I imagined this in my head. <laughs> it looks a little different. I was totally thinking, you know, I thought I was Goya, the artist, and it's not him at all, um, and it just as I'm realizing that it's not the way I wanted it, I hear this Darth Vader voice, you know, I told you guys in the back, who's like, are you enjoying cutting down our trees, and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I could tell he wasn't cheery about what I was doing. I had gone into his property and cut down the branches he had on his side. But I didn't realize I was doing it. I just got really happy with this. So fun cutting all these branches. And, and I remember just turning around and going, okay, here you go. Here's the chainsaw. Uh-uh. And so it was a tense moment. I haven't always been a good neighbor. I was in a hurry. And I got through to all that, but then I started cutting back, you know, I, I gave him the chainsaw, and, and, and we actually started building a really good relationship, and we have one now, but I haven't always been a good neighbor. I've, I've, I've kind of stepped on some toes in the past, but I, I was telling you that, that this point number one of uh, the brokenness of our world makes us suspicious of other people, and Jesus calls us to, to, to be people who don't live in, 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 in isolation. Jesus actually calls us to engage in the messiness of relationships. If you have your Bibles, would you look up Luke chapter 7, verse 34 and 39 we're going to look at, all right? He calls us to, to engage in the relationships are messy. Can everybody say messy? They are. They're, they're just messy. And he, God calls us to, to be in real relationships that are always messy, that always make us feel fearful, but Jesus was often accused by the Jewish religious leaders of his day of spending too much time, of getting too buddy-buddy with those people that we, even today, would consider kind of scary. You know, the prostitutes, the financial card artists, the demon-possessed, the lepers, the, the unlovely, the diseased, the political extremists, sinners. Jesus spent too much time with them. He spent so much time with these people that the holier-than-thou folks, the Pharisees, the religious people, the religious leaders were like, why are you doing that, Jesus? You, obviously, if you hang around, you know, there's a saying in Spanish, you know, dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres, right? So if you're hanging out with all those people, then that must mean that you are one of those as well. You must be shady too. You must be a little bit sketchy, just like all these people. And so let's read this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 7, verse 34 through 39. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right 
by all her children. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. First of all, let me just stop right there and say, what just happened right there? One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to come eat with him? Okay, let's keep reading. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him over to his house saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know. He would just know who is touching him and what kind of woman this woman is, that she is a sinner. So can someone say OMG? Why am I saying OMG? You're saying OMG because, because this guy is thinking, why is Jesus hanging out? Like, think about this guy for a second. This guy's looking at Jesus, and he invites him over his house. Now, the commentaries I read and the study I did, just from my perspective, I'm not saying this is scripture, but from my perspective, it seems as if the, that the Pharisee is probably inviting Jesus over to try to trap him. Like, it's a sham of hospitality. Like, yeah, 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 Jesus, come on over. But he's really trying to find where, and here he goes, I got him. I I found another kink in Jesus' arm. I found some dirt on Jesus, which, by the way, as a side note, if you ever want to find dirt on Pastor Abdi, you can. You will. It's pretty easy. You know, God didn't call me as here to lead this church because I was perfect. God just called me because I said, God, I'm here, would you send me, I'm available. So if you want to find dirt, you can. But here's this ancient dinner happening, and and Jesus is here, and he's having dinner, and this is what's going on. And so the, the verse there, verse 35, it says that wisdom is proved right by, by all her children. Wisdom is proved right by all. So Jesus shows us that friendship with, with sinners expresses wisdom from God. Pretty interesting. Jesus shows us that, that, that wisdom is proved right by all of her children. We see it over and over again to be proven true by what happened to those who responded to Jesus' friendship. Lives were changed when Jesus became people's friends. People were being transformed by, by, by being totally far from God, irreligious, to all of a sudden being lovers of God. Look what it says in verse 40. We read that the name of the Pharisee who asked Jesus to have dinner with him, his name was Simon. Simon, not to be confused with Simon Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus. Simon, I guess, was like a popular name of the day, like Jose or Juan, everybody has that here, like, you know, Maria, right? Everybody has, so like, it, it must have been a popular name, Simon. A lot of people were called Simon. This is a different guy. It's a Pharisee, right? And so his name was Simon. We're told why Simon invited Jesus to dinner, um, right? But most likely, I told you guys that it didn't take long for Simon to find the dirt he was looking for. He's like, man, if this guy was a prophet, if this guy was a man of God, he would know who is touching him, who is with him, you know? And so he, this guy, so Jesus is, the reason why I brought this, this uh, bench up here, actually, the reason I asked Luigi and, and Jerry if they would bring this bench up here was to show you a little bit of how they would eat dinner in the ancient days. This is the way they would eat. They would lie down on their elbow like this, on a bench similar to this, with their legs hanging out like this. And so if you read the scripture, what it shows is that there's this prostitute who goes behind 
Jesus as he's lying like this, and he starts, and she starts working at his feet. Now, that's why G she wasn't under the table, is because he's lying like this. His feet are kind of up, propped up, so she can do what she had wanted to do, which was, you know, clean his feet, pour perfume on his feet, and, and anoint him, and wash his, his, his feet with her hair, right? Now, let's look at verse um, 40 through 48 here in Luke. So, you know, notice that Jesus didn't try to stop her either. As she's doing this on his feet, he doesn't try to stop her. And, 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 and guess what else? He knows exactly what Simon is thinking. Simon is looking at Jesus, and he's about to explode in his mind. He's like, why would Jesus, this is making me feel super uncomfortable. How many people do we have that women go and touch another guy's feet, let alone a prostitute touching another person's, like this is, this is not cool, right? This is not good. So he's about to explode in his mind and Jesus knows exactly what Simon is thinking. And look what he says in verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon says, tell me, teacher. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other owed him 50 denarii. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave their debts, both of them. Now, which one, Simon, you tell me, Simon, which one of these would love him more? And Simon responds, he says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you have judged correctly. And then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? So he's talking, so he's lying down like this, right? He's lying down like this. And Renee, can you put that scripture up there? Because that way I don't have to keep getting up. I'm getting kind of lazy. This is kind of comfortable. Uh, you know where I'm at? 40 through 48. And so he talks to Jesus and, and, and I'm sorry, Jesus is talking to Simon. There you go. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something, right? Keep going to the next verse, sorry. Um, I have something to tell you. Keep going to the next verse, 50. Yep, you're doing good, 42. Uh, neither, what is it? Money to pay him. All right, keep going to the next verse. Um, so he's here. Uh, uh -huh, next one. You're almost there, almost there, Renee. There you go. Wow, that's too much to read. So then he turns to him and he says, look, I've been here and I wanted to, you know, typically, I, I, I've been walking to get to you, to your house. I wear sandals. I, I walk on dirt roads. My feet are dirty. Every time you go into a Jewish person's house, they have like somebody that helps you wash your, your feet. And he says to Simon, Simon, I came in, you gave me no water to wash my feet. And this woman right here, she's been crying over my feet. I, I, I came in, I was looking, you gave me no towel to wipe my feet. And this woman right here, she used her hair to wipe my feet. Usually, you know, you come in and, and you, 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 you have oil, so that way you kind of, it's refreshing. You pour it on the head, it kind of rinses them out. You gave me no oil, Jesus tells Simon. And this woman, she takes this perfume and she pours it over me. When I walk into a room, you know, in a Jewish custom, it was customary, you know, you don't just like slap hands and hug, you actually kiss each other on the cheek. You gave me no kiss, Simon. This woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet. 
He says, but from this, woman, from this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. She's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is telling Simon that he is dead wrong. See, Simon is about to explode because this prostitute, what he thinks of less than as a human, what he thinks is human trash, Jesus is saying, absolutely not. You got it wrong, Simon. What you don't value is what I value the most. And so he offers, and this woman gets it. This woman understands that she's been forgiven. And so what she is doing here, you guys, is a response to knowing that she's been forgiven. She is so thankful and so, I'm trying to say great gratitude, but I don't know how to say that in an adjective. She's so, okay, there you go, grateful that her sins have been forgiven, that she, she's doing this to Jesus' feet because something spiritually has awoken in her. She's, been for, she's not being treated as the, as the town prostitute, which most likely is who she was. She's not being treated as less than human, even though in that culture, that's what was customary. Jesus did not treat her that way. Jesus was empowering her, and so she gets it. She understands that she's been forgiven, and so it fills her heart with so much love. This wasn't a relationship to be fearful of, Simon. That's what Jesus is trying to say. This is not a relationship for you to be angry about. This is a miracle to be rejoiced in that she gets it, that she has been forgiven, that she understands the love of God. This is what he was trying to get through Simon's head. This is the point. And the brokenness of this world, it causes us to show, uh, not to show the love of God, but the love of God causes us to show love and tenderness and forgiveness and grace towards them. Can somebody say yes? yes? And those are the very people who need God. So when was the last time that you were accused of being friendly with someone that was sketchy? When was the last time that you hung out with those people that everybody else would say, you're hanging out with them? What's going on? When was the last time that Jesus said, man, you're doing the right thing by reaching out to these people that are not like you. So I want to take this, this uh, where we live and apply it locally as we wrap up this series of Won't You Be My Neighbor. I think much like the Jewish religious leaders 2,000 years ago, Jesus came for a people. And, and he came for a people, for, for a people who, who were trying to serve God and he tried to help them understand. He tried to make church people uncomfortable at times. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus is willing to receive a foot washing from a prostitute. Are we willing to be, to be around people who live extremely differently than we do? Are you willing to build relationships where unbelieving people begin to interact with you as a Christ follower and something is created between you and them and it brings depth to the relationship? See, Jesus said to Simon, do you really see this woman? Do you really see her hurt? Do you really see her pain? Do you really see her desire to be healed? See, for you and me, Jesus says, do you have eyes to see what is really happening in your neighborhood? 
Yes, there might be that fear factor involved with stepping out of the safety of our lives to relate to people and share Jesus at a deeper level. That might be fearful for us. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to say it's not. Like, I'm here to tell you yes, right? I'm here to tell you yes, it, it might be, I get it, right? It might be fearful for us. Uh, but, but I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul told his protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, where he talks about fear, he talks about timidity. It says, for the spirit of God gave us, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid. In other places, it says fearful. It does not make us fearful, but it gives us power. It gives us love, and it gives us a sound discipline. Fear in relating to our neighbor reveals we are controlled by our human flesh. That's what it reveals. And a Holy Spirit-controlled life produces a Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit love, and Holy Spirit self-discipline. So if you have a fear factor in your life when it comes to representing Jesus to your neighbor, first, I think we just need to admit it. Look, I'm afraid. I'm a little hesitant. And then second, we just need to begin praying for God's power, his spirit of power, his spirit of love, and his spirit of self-discipline. And, and, and you're gonna see what God produces when you start praying this prayer, what God wants to do with someone who has a surrendered life for him. All right? And so point number one is that the brokenness of this world makes us suspicious, makes us fearful. It does. The second point is this, that in order to take the great commandment seriously, we must be with people that God has placed around us. In order to, to, to really obey this great commandment, we must be with. Can everybody say be with? Be. Say it again a little louder. Be with. be with. That's actually the title of our talk today be with. And I want to take us to another occasion in the scriptures where Jesus related to those who he was with. And he invited them to consider the kingdom of God, to consider what it looks like when heaven comes down to earth. Let's look at that. Let's look at a day in the life of Jesus here in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read it to you guys. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats. These two boats were left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Totally different Simon. I just want you to know, not the same one we just talked about. This is actually the disciple, right? And he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And Jesus was out and about one day. And he's talking and people gathered around him. And he decided to be with the crowd. How many of them were there? 500, 1,000 people. But then there came a moment where he saw some boats and he decided to get into the boat and he got away, right? So he could talk to them because, you know, it actually added, acted like a megaphone, the water. He would get in the boat and then he would talk and the echo of the water, right, as you're talking, it would actually reach more people. But then there came a point. Listen to what, if we keep reading verse four. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. He's going, Jesus, he's going, Simon, let's go deep sea fishing now, right? Let's put out into deep water and let, let down the nets for a catch. So he goes from this large crowd of five to, to a thousand people, and, and, and then he goes to, on the boat, let's go deeper, let's go away, and it's just with Simon and all the people that are working on the boat, his workmates. And so we must be with people, with people that God has placed around us every day. Can everybody say, I will be? Say it again. I will be with people God has placed around me. 
So while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. This is verse 12. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So here's Jesus walking through the village, right? And he meets a man who has advanced leprosy. And, and we must be with people that God has placed around us. So first he's with 500 to 1,000. Then he's with a few over here in this small group on a boat. And then he's with, along the way, he sees this leper, one-on-one, right? Jesus, and then in verse 16 it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So Jesus refuels himself and he spends time with his father. And then the next day, Jesus was, look at what he's doing in verse 18 through 20. He's doing what he normally did. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat, threw the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So we must be with people that God has placed around us. So what, what am I trying to show you? This is what I'm trying to show you, that Jesus, these are everyday occurrences for Jesus around a lot of people, around a few people, around one-on-one, around the sick. He's around people all the time. He didn't really get to choose too much who he was around. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. It was the people he was around. It was people whose lives were messy, messy situations. The guy was sick with leprosy. I'm talking, all of a sudden he comes from the roof, this paralyzed man, right? It's messy situations. But Jesus brought the kingdom of God into each setting that he was in. Let me give you one more. Look at verses 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax collector booth. And he says to him, follow me. Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Can everybody say everything? Everything. And then Levi held a great banquet. Check this out, what it says here. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to the sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you sitting with the IRS? Everybody hates them, right? Why are you doing this? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but, yes, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Levi gathers his friends by throwing a party for Jesus. And Jesus could have been like, no, 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 there's all these sinners. I ain't going to that. I know you mean well, Levi, but you just don't know I'm holy. I'm a man of God. No, he's like, no, because I'm a man of God, I am going to go to this party. And he shows up with all these people. And then gets what? He gets accused of hanging out with all these people. Well, if you're hanging out with all these people, that must mean that you're all these people. You're like them. And the Pharisees thought that their accusation was a bad thing. But Jesus didn't. He's like, no, now you get it. This is the purpose for which I came. 
was to hang out with all these. These are the people that I'm trying to reach. And what you don't understand is that I'm willing to do whatever, however, whenever, who it associates me with or isolates me from. It don't matter. I didn't come for the people that it isolates me from. I came for the who. For you. For me. He came for us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, go and make disciples. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. And so as we wrap up this series today, won't you be my neighbor? I want to give you another challenge. One more challenge. So it, 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 this is the challenge. How about you put on your own block party, your own Levi party, just like Levi did. Not, I'm not calling you a tax collector or anything like that, but you put on in your neighborhood a party, a block party. Invite your neighbors to come over and hang out. You might have a small space like I did. Marie and I, we just did this recently. We just, we went, we knocked on people's doors like, hey, we're, we're gonna get together this Saturday night. You wanna come over? Really, us? Yeah, yeah, come on over, let's come over. Now, we have a small space, and we live in a, in a neighborhood division area, 300 homes, we can't get everybody in, but we had quite a few people come. Everybody we asked came. Now, was it messy? Absolutely, it was messy, right? We had the kids running around, it was messy, things got spilled, things got broke. It was, it was messy. We can, actually didn't even all fit inside the house. We had to do it outside. But listen, it, it's going to be, but in order to take the great commandment seriously, you must be with those that God has placed around us. And it's not always going to be pretty, but it's going to be significant. Host your own block party or simply be a part of a neighborhood gathering within the next three months. Would you take a look at this? You got that video queued up and ready to go? Oh, we can't show it. Voila! We can't show it. <laughs> our, our projector's on. Okay. So the last two Sundays, um, we made available these neighborhood maps. And some of you, <laughs> I'm like, it looked like this. No, they don't look like that. So, um, so these black neighborhood maps, and we had them available for uh, the first week we did this series. And they're available today if you want them. Dave is holding them up right there, Dave. Thank you. They look like that. They are free for you. They're these little magnets you can put on your fridge, and they're like, they have your house in the middle, and you can write your neighbor's houses around them. You're welcome to pick that up if you want. It's absolutely free. We'd love for you to do that. And the idea is that you would write, find out who your neighbors are, write their names on it, and pray for them. And pray that, that, that God would open up an opportunity. All right? Um, and so we did that. We also have these neighborhood yard signs as well, these um, that are back there in the table. You're welcome to, gra to grab. But I, I want to challenge you to take it to a whole next level and throw a great party. Throw a great party. If you're willing to hold your own block party, I want you to let us know that you're doing that, okay? So in the seat pocket in front of you, there's a card that looks like this. This card is what we call our note card. I mentioned this last week. In case you didn't know, there's a note card in there, and it's for you. You can grab this and write little notes on it that you hear today. You can write a little love note to your spouse if you're bored and I'm talking too long. But if not, write down like verses from the Bible that stick out to you, a thought, a word, something. You can have this every single Sunday. We refill those every single Sunday. We don't mind. That's for you. 
All right, there's this. And then there's also this connect card that Abdiela mentioned earlier, the one with the black circle and the white words on it and say connect. Okay, so if you want to do a block party, you're like, I heard you, Pastor Abdi, I'm in, I wanna, ri- I wanna do a block party, write block party on this card, on this one, on the connect card. Drop it in the boxes. We actually have a neighborhood resource kit block party we wanna give you. If that's you, you say, yes, I'm in, I wanna do one, we wanna resource you, we wanna help you put that on. And so we'll send something to you. That's how it'll come back to us and let us know. But this is a card for you that I want you to take out if you would. Everybody take this out. If you can find it, locate it. If you're in the front row, it'll be in the seat pocket behind you. Grab one of these note cards. Grab the pen in the seat pocket there as well, a red pen. And I want you to write down these three words or four words. My next step is. That's four words. My next step is, okay? Last week, we had on the projector in the big screen behind me three different steps. And I asked everybody if you would just write one or two. No more than that, because you know how we are. If you write all three down, then you won't do any of them, right? So just write one or two, and that's it. And those next steps are, number one is, go back there, grab that magnet. Go back there, grab that magnet, write the name of your neighbors on that magnet, and pray for them. That's number one, okay? Is that easy enough? Number one, or grab the yard sign. That'll be number one too, okay? <laughs> grab the yard sign, one, do one or the other, or both, if you want, all right? Number two is, I wanna challenge you to take some time this week to hang out on your front yard. Hang out in the front of your house where other neighbors can see you. One hour this week. Either hang out for one hour, we did that. I, I, look, you guys, I, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Okay, so I, I, I've done all of this already and I'm asking you to jump in and do this as well. And you're gonna see the relationships and the conversations that happen as a result of you just being available, carving out a little space and hanging out. Now, it's easy for, easier for me because I got little boys and they're good little like connectors. I hang them out, I throw them out there in the middle and I'm like, okay, play. And then people are walking by and they're like, oh yeah, look, they're playing and then I can have. So it is, it's a, I, I use it, I connive, right? I use, it's like a ploy to get them to talk to me. But, but you can do this too. Listen, you can have a little table out with some lemonade and don't sell it, give it away for free. All right? But do something that'll provide, that'll, that'll create an environment. And so um, that's number two. Okay, so hang out for one hour in front of your yard. Or take a walk around your neighborhood and just pray as you're walking through the neighborhood. So that's number two. Number three is to throw a block party. And let us know if you're willing to do that. All right? You got it? That's all I got. So we're going to wrap up our time together as Mr. Rogers would wrap up his time at the end of his show. He'd say, you know, I'll be back when the week is new and I'll have new ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about and I will too. Would you bow your heads and let's pray with one closing word of prayer. Father, we thank you that Jesus was passionate about being a good neighbor and he taught us how to do it. Thank you that Jesus knew exactly where and how to touch these people's lives, their neighbors, our neighbors. And I pray that you'll touch our lives just as deep, that you'll speak to all of us, whatever you want to say to us, whatever you demand of us, require of us. I just pray that the Holy Spirit will bring us to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm available. Here I am. Here's what I have. Lord, we want to be true as your followers. We don't want to just talk about being followers of Jesus. 
We want to be about it. Just talk about it. We want to be about it, God. And so we humble ourselves and we say, yes, Lord. And as you are praying today, how many of you would say, you know what? I know, I know that I know that I know that there are some people in my neighborhood that I can be a better neighbor to. I've got some ideas. Pastor Abdi, you didn't even mention the idea that came to my mind, but I got some ideas. Maybe that's you. Maybe you say, yeah, you know what? You did mention something. I want to be a better neighbor. I want to be a good neighbor. And there's some people in my mind that I can think of, of who I can be a better neighbor to you. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up right now. I want to pray for you. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what, Pastor Abdi, I got nobody. I can't think of anybody because I live within a 10-mile, nobody lives around me within a 10-mile radius. That's a lie. Not in this city. (laughs) Not in this city. And I just want to tell you that if you have nobody, then you need to get out a little bit more. Out of your little circle. God is calling us not to just talk about being a follower of Jesus. And that's what this whole series has been about. From moving from talking about it on the front line to being about it, to being about this. Not living in our own little Christian insulated environment. You've been gifted with something precious. A great commandment. Not a small one. A great one. So still praying today, There are those of you here that you would say, you know what, oh my goodness, I feel like I am so far from God, but yet I want him so much. I feel like I'm so far. How can I ever get there? Well, I want you to understand very clearly that you cannot get there on your own. Nothing you can do can get you there. The only thing you can do, Scripture says, the only way that you will ever be saved is by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. By the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And the Bible says that it is never, ever by works. And I want you to hear that, and I want you to hear that clearly. You have no ability. The things I'm talking about today, about being a good neighbor, loving your neighbor, that's not going to get you to heaven. We're not talking about that. We are not saved by our good works. We are saved for our good works. It is impossible to work our way to God. Our sin separates us from a holy God who cannot even look upon sin. That's why it is so important for Jesus, the Son of God, the one that was without sin, who became sin for us. He did not inherit the sin nature from an earthly father. He inherited the heavenly nature from his father God in heaven who had no sin. Jesus lived a perfect life as the innocent lamb of God without any kind of blemish so that he could be our sacrifice. Jesus died in our place on the cross. He became sin. He died with the sin. He rose again on the third day. And now scripture says anyone, and that includes you and I, who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. You may feel like you are so far from God. It doesn't matter. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you now. You call on his name. Say, Jesus, save me. And I know there are others of you here today. You're like, man, I grew up in church. I grew up around the church. Maybe like I did. I grew up in the church. And you thought you were okay, but you woke up one day and you realize, you know what? I'm not okay. 
I, I, I don't know him. There is no spiritual fruits in my life. I've heard the stories over and over again, but I've never fully connected to him. And you say today, Jesus, save me. Either group that you're in, as you call on him in a moment, you will be born anew. His Holy Spirit will fill you. You'll be able to talk to him, hear from him. You'll be different. You'll, you'll have power that only comes from that Holy Spirit that gives you that power and love and of a sound mind. You'll be able to have that power that comes from heaven. You'll be changed because you'll become more like God's son, more like Jesus Christ. If that's your prayer today, you say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my savior. I give my life to you. If that's your prayer, I just want you to lift up your hand right now with me. Just lift it up and leave it up all over this place. I see those hands back there. God bless you guys. You can put them down. See that hand up here in the front? Thank you. God bless you. You can put it down. Anyone else as we pray? We're gonna pray, and I want everybody to pray. Nobody prays alone. We're a DV family. Nobody prays alone. Everybody pray together. Pray this prayer. Pray it like you mean it. Pray aloud with me. Say, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. I repent and I turn to you. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could obey you, so I could follow you, make me new, make me like you because you died for me. Empower me to live for you. Jesus, Take my life forever. It's yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Doral Vineyard, would you worship with me? Would you celebrate with me? We thank you, God.